Welcome to Thrive, a Paychex business podcast where you'll hear timely insights to help you navigate marketplace dynamics and propel your business forward. Here's your host, Gene Marks. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Thrive. Thank you so much for joining me. My name is Gene Marks. I am a C- if you haven't figured it out for you guys looking at this right, I'm, I am a CPA, believe it. I know that comes as very little surprise. Uh, and I've got, uh, I, Debbie, first of all, before I formally introduce you, are you a CPA as well? I am not. I am an attorney by Oh, forget background. it. Let's cancel this whole thing. <laughs> She's not a CPA, guys. I don't know if we can. I'm just kidding, obviously. Debbie Flieger is a principal at EY, Ernst & Young. Um, and, and Debbie, you specialize in small business tax strategies or in 1099 specifically? I, believe it or not, I specialize in not only do I specialize, but I lead an entire team that specializes on 1099 issues, information reporting, when you have to withhold from those payments, and similar payments that we make to non-U.S. vendors. So that is what my team and I focus on exclusively, believe it or not. It is, it is unbelievable. It is, an, it, it is a statement of where we are in society right now when we have a team of people at a big four accounting firm that's literally devoted to like a single tax form. Well, when you think about it. The way I like to explain that to people, because I get people who say to me all the time, really, Deb, 1099 reporting? And my explanation (laughs) is, look, I pay my fair share of taxes, and I like to make sure everyone else does too. And that's what 1099s do, is they make sure that that individuals and, and small businesses and the IRS all know the income that they've got, and they pay their fair share of tax. And listen, I mean, speaking about you personally, if there was ever like a zombie apocalypse and the world ever went down, there are some people that can fix cars and other people that can make food and whatever. But, you know, I can fill out a tax return. You can fill out a 1099. We'll be fine, right? It'll be good. We'll we'll survive about two days before we're eaten. (laughs) Um, But okay, so listen, um, we are talking about 1099s because it's a really important topic for small business owners. And that's who's listening to this, you know, to this podcast or watching this video, Debbie. And uh, you know, listen, um, I'm going to, you and I talked briefly before we started recording this, but I'm going to insult the intelligence of our audience. Um, and we're going to start from square one and just explain you know, what 1099s are, just so we get it down what we need to know. So go ahead. Tell me what a 1099 is and what I need to know. Okay. So 1099s, like I said, report income that a payee has received. So just like W-2s report wage income, if you've got income that you've you've received in any way other than as an employee, Mm -hmm. it's generally going to be reported to you on a 1099. And, you know, for tax purposes, persons, and when I say you, I don't just mean individuals. I mean partnerships. I mean LLCs. Depending upon the type of 1099, I mean corporations. That we they all receive 1099s reporting income. So if you're a small business, you receive 1099s from the the companies or the others with whom you do business. If you're doing business um, with other businesses, it's all B two B. Individuals in their private capacity are not required to issue 1099s, although there's that nasty 1099K. So if to the extent that I use a credit card to make a payment, let's say to a nail salon or a dry cleaner, 
even I would never issue them a 1099 because in when it's a personal expenditure, you're not required to issue a 1099. But for about 10 years now, those credit card purchases have been reportable on the 1099K by the bank that processes the payment on behalf of the merchant. So 1099 reporting is that broad. It's 1099, there's a 1099 NEC, that stands for non-employee compensation. Um, Small businesses have to issue a lot of 1099 NECs to their consultants, their business advisors, their accountants, their lawyers, um, all all should be getting 1099 NECs. Um, Miscellaneouses report rents received or royalties received. You get 1099 INTs reporting interest income. Your broker or corporations that you own stock in have to issue 1099 divs to report dividend income. Um, Again, brokers, if you've sold stock, have to report um, the gross proceeds from the sale as well as your basis in the stock so that, again, both you and the IRS know what your net gain or loss was from that um, capital transaction. Those are all 1099s that, that get issued and are coming in the mail this time of the year. So, um, first of all, you, you did say yeah, this time of the year, 1099s as we're speaking right now. And I actually don't know when this when this conversation is going to be published. But for the tax year in 2021, uh, they're actually due to be reported by February 28th of 2022, correct? Yeah. So, they are supposed to be, if you're filing on paper, they have to mm-hmm. be filed with the IRS by February 28th. Mm-hmm. Um, they're generally due to the payees by January 31st. So mm-hmm. you should have most of your 1099s by now. Um, I, broker I statements re- were due last get it reversed. week. I always get it reversed. So it's it's the end of January for 1099s, and then it's the end of February for W-2s. Did I get that? No, even, even W-2s even are due W-2s. the end of January. Um, oh. And actually, W-2s and the 1099 NECs are all due to the IRS by January 31st because they a few years ago, Congress sped that due date up in an attempt to get the IRS some more current information quickly as they're processing tax returns now. So, so let me so just to make sure. So is there anything due by February, by the end of February, or really has all the deadlines been moved up to January 31st? Well, all the other 1099s, so the INT right. and the DIV right. and the B and the K, they are due to the IRS by February 28th, unless you're filing electronically, and then it's March 31st. So electronic files are a little bit later. Paper files are February 28th. Got it. Okay, that makes sense. All right, let me take a, a few steps back, Debbie, and I'll, I'll ask you. So in my business, I have 10 employees, and I've got about a dozen contractors, okay? And I pay them with 1099s, right? I think I'm doing it the right way, but... Talk to me a little bit about some of the things I should be wary of or concerned about when I'm paying these, you know, outside people, accountants, for example. I have a, a marketing person, part-time people, you know, whatever. Tell me some of the things I should be aware of. So the most important thing you need to be aware of is you need to make sure that you get their taxpayer identification number. For an individual, that's a social security number. For a business, it's an employer identification number. You want to be sure that you get that number before you make a payment to them. And the reason is because if you make a payment without having their taxpayer identification number, 
What the tax law says is you're supposed to withhold 24% from the payment and pay it over to the IRS. And if you don't, then what the, what the tax law says is you become liable for the tax you should have withheld and didn't. So you're supposed to have that number before you make the payment. Um, it, usually you like to collect that on a W-9. That's the IRS's form for that. You're not required to collect it on a W-9 if you're talking about vendor payments, but it is very much a common business practice to require it on a W-9 just because it's the easiest, quickest way to get it. But for example, any invoice that you receive, certainly from a large accounting firm, is mm -hmm. going to have our EIN already pre-printed on the invoice because we never want a client to have to withhold 24% of what they're paying to us. But getting a W-9, certainly common industry practice at this point. The other thing First of all, you, I got to interrupt. I got to interrupt. I say that that's really, really good advice. That if you're listening to this and you are a contractor or you're a freelancer, or you're getting, you know, you're going to get a 1099 for somebody. It's it's good practice that when you invoice your clients, if you've got an EIN, an employer identification number, to include that on your invoice. So it just makes it that much easier for, uh, you know, and and like you said, it avoids having anything withheld um, that you know that that you know you know, a person might do for you. Um, okay, so let's keep going on. Um, there's with 1099 workers, um, a lot of businesses, they, they kind of push the lines as to whether or not uh, you know, a 1099 worker is an employee or are they really you know, a contractor. And this is becoming more and more of an issue, both you know, politically as well as you know, from a worker classification issue. Give us your thoughts on that. You know, what, what should we be aware of um, when we're classifying those workers? Worker classification is a world unto itself. Um, and, and it's an area, quite honestly, specialists who really focus on employment taxes are, are much better suited to answer that question. I will only tell you that you have to look carefully at whether or not you control what the worker is doing and how they're doing it. If you control them, they are your employee. Um, for example, it, 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 a child care worker, uh, you pretty much want to control how they're taking care of your kids and what they're doing, especially if they're coming into your home. A cleaning service, on the other hand, you know, I know my personal attitude is just make sure the house is clean. I'm not going to spend a lot of time telling you what, what you should clean first or what product you should use, especially if you're using your own cleaning products. So you have to look at whether or not you control what they are doing and how they are doing it. Um, if if they're an employee, you got to go down the W-2 path. You're paying employment taxes. You're withholding income taxes. If if you're not controlling them, then you're in the independent contractor world. You're on a 1099 NEC. You have to report that income if it's $600 or more in a year. You have to make sure you have that TIN. The other critical piece of information I tell people to watch for all the time is make sure you know the name of the person you're paying. And that sounds so easy and flippant, but it's not. It's amazing how many payees don't know their names. Um, and, and for, you know, for years that used to be, oh yeah, a woman, you know, got married, didn't change her, her name with social security. And as a result, there's a mismatch. But what we see much more often now are sole proprietors doing business as Al's plumbing, 
but he gave you his social security number. So if you make your 1099 um, in the name of Al's plumbing, but his name is really Albert Smith, well, the IRS isn't going to be able to match that 1099 to his to to Al's income if you've got Al's plumbing on the 1099, but his social security number. And if there's a mismatch like that, you're going to get a nasty thing the IRS calls a B notice, which means that you've got to go collect a new name and tin from Al. And you're, if you don't get a W-9 from him, you've got to start withholding 24% if he ever comes back. So make sure you know what their name is and that you're using the proper legal name for this the taxpayer identification number that they give you. And I guess that's, you know, that's the reason why if you're going to be working with somebody, um, you know, you want them to fill out a W-9, correct? It's, it, they're much more careful about what name they put on their 1090, on their W-9 mm-hmm. than they are if, if you're just looking at the check you wrote. That's absolutely right. Question for you. Um, when somebody does fill out the W-9 um, and they provide an EIN, yep. um, does that necessarily mean you have to give them a 1099? Whether or not they give you an EIN is irrelevant. It comes down to whether you're making the payment in the course of a trader business, your trader business, and you've paid them $600 or more during the course of the year. But let me ask you, but I mean, like, you know, I pay a lot of people more. I pay our electric company, Pico, more than $600 a year. Um, I don't think we're sending them a 1099. Well, no, because they're a corporation and you don't Uh have to issue 1099s to most corporations. There are two exceptions to that. Congress doesn't trust. And so I'm not saying I don't trust them. Congress (laughs) doesn't trust lawyers and doctors. So even when you're paying an incorporated lawyer or you're paying an incorporated doctor, you still have to issue 1099s to them. But short of that, corporations don't receive most 1099s. An exception is for the 1099K, um, but but for 1099 NEC or miscellaneous, if you're paying rent to a corporation, you don't have to report the rent. If you're paying it to an LLC, you do. Okay. So uh, by the way, you're right. my sister's a doctor, so you're perfectly right not to trust any doctors out there. Be very careful. Okay. Very nice woman, but I wouldn't let her cut my nails. Uh, you know, when you're doing like a 1099s, though, you say that you don't have to do this to a corporation. How do you know if they're a corporation? They have to tell you that they're a corporation. They literally have to have ink after their names. You you are relying on them to say to you, I am a corporation. And by the way, I just not to, not an S corporation, I'm assuming you mean a C corporation. Is that well, actually, am I also correct? S, cor- S corporations are exempt from the basic okay. 1099s, the 1099 NEC, the 1099 miscellaneous. Again, no corporation is exempt from 1099K. They all get 1099Ks. Um, that, but you can do one of two things. You, there's something called the eyeball test, where if you look at their name and it has corporate ink in the name, you can, pre, you can treat them as a, as a corporation and exempt them. Or once again, another really good reason to collect a W-9 because the W-9, they can indicate to you on the W-9 that they are exempt. And and if you've got that W-9, you've got a perfect reason for the IRS. If they ever ask why you didn't issue a 1099, you've got the perfect answer right there. Got it. Debbie, I have to tell you something. I don't, I don't get out much and I don't have much of a social life, which is why I'm, I'm finding this conversation fascinating. I, I, I could talk about 1099 stuff. The rules just, they intrigue me so much. Now, there was a change now um, that happened in 2021 that's going to affect 1099s 
for the 2022 tax year, the year that we're in right now. Talk to us about that change. It's a huge change. It's a huge change for especially for anyone who's doing business on the internet. Um, because historically, I said before, if if you accept credit cards for payment, you receive a 1099K from your bank, the bank that is processing your credit card payments on your behalf. And that rule has been around for plus or minus 10 years. Um, I think everybody's gotten accustomed to getting those 1099Ks. Um, in addition to that, there's, there's always been a rule that said if you were a third-party settlement organization. So what that means is basically a marketplace or a platform that connects buyers and sellers. If you were that intermediary and you connected buyers and sellers, you had an obligation to report on a 1099K to any seller who received $20,000 or more during a year and had 200 or more transactions. So those right. were really high thresholds, right? right? And by the way, these third-party uh, PayPal, Square, is that, right? Like those, those are the types of things. Swipe, are, people that are e-commerce. You also have okay. ride-sharing services. So sure. whether you're talking about sure. Lyft or Uber or any of those, okay. um, food delivery, same concept. Right. Um, so rent, before the rule was, was $20,000 and say? 200 transactions. Okay. So you either had to be like a very overweight person with all the food delivery, or you're going on a lot of taxi rides with Uber and Lyft to probably qualify for something like this. Right? Well, you had to be the driver or the deliverer to I get see. the 1099 right? right. Okay. Yep. Got it. But okay. another common one is landlords, right? If right. if I have a vacation home and I rent it out through a platform, ah, it, right. it would be pretty, maybe I get to $20,000 depending on how nice of a house it is, but right. I probably won't rent it out 200 times during the course of a year. So those are the platforms that as of 2022, so not for the 1099s we've just received, but for the 1099s we're going to receive a year from now, they now have a $600 threshold. Anything more than $600, they have to report. So we're going to see a huge increase in the number of 1099Ks that those sellers via all kinds of, of internet sites. I've learned about a lot of different sites out there, small businesses. You, you can you can go online and and through through a website find somebody to design your website for you, to tutor your kids, um, to provide all kinds of web based services that are now going to be reportable that weren't reported in the past. So 2022 is going to be a big reporting year. Right. So um, those services are now going to be reporting. So it, again, to tie this into if I'm a small business. And say I'm a craftsperson on Etsy, for example, right? So if I am, you know, if, if I receive more than $600 during 2022 through PayPal payments, that's going to be reported by PayPal to the IRS. And I'm going to get a 1099 from the IRS saying, hey, from PayPal saying, hey, you received more than $600 in payments from our services. Uh, could have been from as many, you know, it could have been from two customers or 200 customers. It doesn't make a difference. I was going to get that. So what do I do with that when I get that 1099? Like, what, right. do, I, what do I care? Well, the, you really care. And, and it's that's why we're talking about it now, right? 11 months before you get that 1099K, because it's going to be important that you capture all of your expenses associated with that income. 
make sure that you know if 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 it's a crafter did you did save your receipts for all the supplies that you bought um for all for all of the expenses you incur all of your shipping expenses anything else that you're spending to make that money it's going to be all the more important that you're able to capture that so that you're not paying more tax because the irs is only going to get a 1099 that reports your gross income it's going to be up to you to be able to document and claim the deductions associated with that income. So really important for people now in early 2022 to be focusing on what those expenses are that they are incurring so that they can properly report their net income on their tax returns for 2022 next year. Got it. I also heard that because of this change, um, a lot of the big payment services are going to be reaching out to uh, their customers to get more information so they can file this. So not to be surprised if you get an email or a phone call from PayPal saying, hey, we need your EIN or social security number or address and things like that, correct? That's right. A lot of platforms that did not collect social security numbers or EINs in the past are, are doing that now. Again, getting it, um, you know, and of course, everybody's concerned that's com- that's private information, worried about identity theft and all the rest. So you want to feel confident that you're responding to an email that or or to a request from the company you're really doing business with. Hopefully they're having you go, you know, behind the screen um, and do that online after you've logged in. So you're establishing who you are and that you are on a reliable on the actual website that you use. Um, very important um, to make sure that you're giving that confident, that important information only to the people who really need it. You actually bring up a really good point. I'm, I, I just made a note. I'm going to write about that because I, I see the second half of 2022, lots of requests being made by a lot of financial services firms to get this information and a lot of nefarious people out there that are going to be doing phishing attacks and fake emails uh, to fool users into thinking that they can give them that information. That could be a big problem. Um, this year. So you're absolutely right to be more diligent about that stuff. Let me just emphasize, it's going to be really important to make sure that 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 platform has your EIN or social security number, because if if they don't, they're going to have to withhold 24%. That goes back to the backup withholding point that I raised a couple minutes ago. So if they don't get it, they're going to have to withhold from you and you don't want them withholding 24% yeah, of your gross income. That. Right. Good luck collecting that. And in so, fact, uh, that situation happened. I'm a, I'm a treasurer for a, you know, a nonprofit here in, uh, in Philadelphia. And um, we, a few years ago, there was some payments where we had, we had not given our, you know, a tax identification number to a payment service. They had withheld the 24%, which they shouldn't have. We're still trying to collect the money from the IRS who, um, I'm not sure if you've heard this, Debbie, but they're kind of behind in their work, uh, the IRS. So, um, <laughs> So we're still working on doing it. So yeah, your 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 advice is very well taken. Like you do not want to be in a situation where you're getting this amount of money withheld because it will be a headache to go and collect it. Okay. So in the final couple of minutes that we have, so we, you know we've talked about 1099s and the basics, what the filing rules are, when you should do a 1099, all the different types of 1099s. We have talked about the changes that have happened this tax year that's going to affect us with these new 1099s. Uh, 1099Ks, correct for. This new that expanded the rules that we're all going to be getting uh, more of these 1099s. Um, how about one final question has to do with foreign uh, vendors? Okay, so um, 
you know, again, some of us do make payments to people. Over, I have a, a development team in Mexico, you know, that, that so how am I going to report my payments to those guys? When you're making a payment to a foreign vendor, what you have to ask yourself is, first of all, what am I paying them for? If you're paying them for goods or merchandise or equipment, it's not subject to these rules. You can go ahead and pay them no problem. If you're paying them something that you would have to report on a 1099, if it was to a U.S. person, um, and then you've got to think about these rules. And you have to say, okay, if it's income that is fixed or determinable is the technical language, but that means, um, again, services, royalties, licensing fees, um, be careful of software purchases, software licenses, especially. Um, then what you have to do is you have to ask yourself, where did they earn it? Did they earn it in the U.S. or did they earn it abroad? If they're providing services to you, if it's a lawyer in Mexico who's helping you with a Mexican contract, as long as they sit, stay south of the border, not subject to U.S. tax, the IRS doesn't want to know about it, you can go ahead and pay it. But if they are coming to the U.S. to provide those services, to meet with you, to talk to you about what you need, or if you're paying a royalty for the use of someone's software in the United States, then that's U.S. source income. And when you pay that, you have to withhold 30% from it unless you get a treaty claim or some other exception, and you always have to report it on a 1042S. So that's it's different than the 1099s go to U.S. people, 1042Ss go to foreign persons. There's a W-8. There are a series of W-8s. There are multiple W-8s that you can collect from a foreign vendor. A lot of people make the mistake of thinking, well, look, if I get a W-9 from a U.S. vendor, I don't have to withhold. So I'll just get one of these W-8s from a foreign vendor and I'll be done. That's the worst mistake you can make because just because you have a W-8 does not mean you don't have to withhold. And you always have to report if you're paying U.S. source income. So you always have to ask the question, is it potentially subject to U.S. tax? Where did they earn it? If they earned it in the U.S., that's when you need a W-8 to figure out whether or not you have to withhold. And you always have to report it on that 1042-S. Debbie, anything else you want to share with us on 1099s? Or have you frightened us enough? I, you know, you can be the ultimate judge of that. I think <laughs> I, I, you know, we could talk for a, an entire web podcast I on on foreign vendors someday, if you'd like. Oh, no doubt. We have lots more tax topics to cover. And I just, I know, you know, I personally find this information really fascinating. And it's, you know, without with all the jokes aside, I mean, it's critical stuff that you have to know if you're a small business owner. And so many of my clients like myself, uh, Debbie, we use, you know, we use contractors all the time. And like I said, I've got people over in, uh, you know, a group of guys in Mexico that I pay for services. They do development services, you know, outsource services for me there. So it sounds like I don't have to send them a 1099, but you know what? They did come to Philadelphia for a big lunch that I paid for like a couple months ago. So don't think about what I'm going to do about that. Anyway, Debbie Flieger is a principal at Ernst & Young EY. Thank you very much. Deb, where are you based? What office? New York. You're in New Although York. Although I'm in Manhattan. You're in so Manhattan. But my, you're not in your office now, though, I can tell. Correct? I am not. I'm out on Long Island. Good for you. Hope you stay yeah. there. Never go into Manhattan again. It's a dangerous place. Thank you very much. Do you have a topic or a guest that you would like to hear on Thrive? Please let us know. 
visit payx.me forward slash thrive topics and send us your ideas or matters of interest. Also, if your business is looking to simplify your HR, payroll, benefits, or insurance services, see how Paychex can help. Visit the resource hub at paychex.com forward slash works. That's W-O-R-X. Paychex can help manage those complexities while you focus on all the ways you want your business to thrive. I'm your host, Gene Marks, and thanks for joining us. Till next time, take care. This podcast is property of Paychex Incorporated 2022, all rights reserved.